Good morning. Please join with me in our responsive call to worship found in our bulletins. Let us make a joyful noise to the Lord. The Lord is good. Let us enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let's pray together as one church family. God of ever-flowing and overflowing grace, as we gather and worship at this time, we do so with seeking hearts and open hearts and with lives filled with all sorts of hopes and dreams, needs, concerns, and joys. In responding to your invitation to your new life and possibilities this hour, help us to slow down for a moment so that we may truly listen and take notice to what you offer for our lives and help us in this way to put our lives back into healthy perspective and into your order so that we may flourish and be fully alive, fully giving, and fully responsive to those who love and to those in need. And so God, as we truly treasure this time together, help us to fully let your spirit in so we may become more lovingly transformed, reshaped, and supported by you. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. everyone. Welcome to worship here at Southport Congregational Church. We are thrilled to have you here with us on this beautiful day. There are a couple of fun things I want to share with you that you can also find more details about in your bulletin. 
But um, if you have driven by the church um, into the back parking lot, you will see a gorgeous new playground that the preschool put in with a nautical theme. They have generously said that um, any of our preschool families can gather after church to play on it if you would like. So it will be open for um, up until one o'clock for that to happen. So we encourage everyone to do that who would like to. Also, our confirmation class is going to be starting up. So we have a new parent, uh, parents of, of kids who are considering confirmation meeting today in the youth room at 1130. Um, competing against that, we have uh, Jake Chang here today. He is a member of Sasquanag Association. That is um, a fabulous uh, community organization that works to preserve the historic nature of Southport. So he will be in the library to talk about kind of their past, present, and future. Um, so come and join to learn about uh, how, how the village is protected. Our high school youth group begins tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, that's open to all high school students. Our middle school group um, Youth group is starting on Tuesday with Julianne at four o'clock. Um, and then uh, a couple of, of um, other, other just notes. Um, our son Parker, who's uh, helping out with the live stream dream team up there, um, is following in his um, very dance adept mother's, not at all, footsteps, um, and is actually going to be participating in the fundraising for um, for uh, Inspire. Inspire is a really great organization that we support here at SCC that um, helps with youth mental health. And I think we all um, know that that is uh, something that is near and dear to the hearts and the mission of this church. Um, he is going to be uh, trying to add his um, winnings to um, that of Denise Karen Quinn, who won in 2017, Karen Jones, who won in 2019, and no, I'm not being modest, um, I didn't win when I was there. Um, but that's all right, it's all right. Um, there is a People's Choice Award, and this is a shameless plug, for $10 you can vote for Parker to win the People's Choice Award, so, you know, if you want to. Um, and then next uh, uh, Sunday, October 2nd at 3 p.m., Julianne's going to be doing a blessing of the animals. All animals are welcome from turtles. Julianne's about to become a turtle parent. Um, I mean, a frog, 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 frog parent, sorry. Turtles are also welcome. Um, all the way up to, you know, really big dogs. Uh, and an elephant, if you have one, bring that. That would be fun. Um, uh, also, um, Today's flowers are um, from the Madeline Rankovitz and Corey Dobbs wedding, which I did last uh, evening, which was beautiful. So we thank them and wish them well in their new marriage. And then um, Paul actually will be in Fellowship Hall this Sunday greeting people. So um, if you would like to see him, mosey on back to the delicious feast that the Mahuskies have provided, and um, you'll see Paul there as well. Uh, so those are all my announcements for the day. So I would like to welcome the children to come on down. There are so many broken arms in the congregation this morning. Uh, one on Heidi Santa, one on Rose Thomas. My goodness, people, bubble wrap for all of you. Come on down, have a seat. You know the drill. 
sit here? Perfect. This is great. Um, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. All right. Let's have it like that every week so I don't have to keep it going. All right. Um, is there a chance that any of you sitting here have ever heard of a man named Socrates? Oh, yeah? What do you know about him? What do you think? Philosopher. Excellent. Socrates was a philosopher. One day, a friend came running in to Socrates. And he said, Socrates, Socrates, I have news I have to tell you about your friend. And Socrates said, wait just a moment. I need to ask you a question. So the, the guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, is what you're about to tell me true? And the guy goes, I don't know, I don't know. My friend told me, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. He goes, oh, it matters. So if it's not true, let me ask you this question. Is what you're about to tell me good? And the guy's like, oh, no, it is not good. No, no, it is not good. And Socrates said, so it's, if it's not true and it's not good, is it useful? And the guy's like, not really useful. So Socrates said, if it's not true, and if it's not good, and if it's not useful, I don't need you to tell me. I got to thinking about that, because what does Jesus say about how we should speak about one another? What does he say? Does he say gossip about one another? I had not in my Bible. Does he say... Go ahead and say mean things about one another. Not my Bible. What's he say, Lilia? Be kind to each other. Be only the person who speaks the truth. So what if your friend says to you, Avery, you want to know something that I heard about Cece yesterday? What are you going to say? Not well. You could say, let me ask you what Socrates said to his friend. Is what you're about to tell me about CC true? Is it good? Is it useful? And then you say, like Socrates, I need not hear that. <laughs> right? So when, when we, what we say about others, what we say about others is more a reflection on who we are than a reflection on who they are. So we want to remember to be just like Jesus and be kind, say kind things about one another, say truthful things, say loving things. And if it doesn't pass those kind of tests, we're better off just zipping it up, throwing it away and not speaking of it, right? All right, let's say a prayer together. Dear God, help us to be truthful, and honest and kind in all the things that we say and all the things we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go off to the chapel.
Having now praised and magnified our good God's name, let us enter into a time of prayer. And as we enter into this time, I ask you to keep the following people in your hearts and minds. We pray for the members of our congregation who are battling um, various forms of cancer. Among them, we pray for Steve Weitzer as he undergoes treatment for his um, pancreatic cancer. We also offer prayers for um, a church member who continues to recover from a brain tumor and for another church member who is undergoing an upcoming procedure for colon cancer. Um, we offer prayer for a church member who's having a hip replacement this week and for um, Joanne Parody also as she continues to recover from her heart operation. So too, amongst all these health concerns, do we offer prayers for those who suffer mental illness and just for the love of our community to surround all those. And so with these prayers and all of the prayers on our own hearts and minds, let us bring them now to the Lord. Loving God, we arrive to you in this moment in this sacred space, in this lull, this hush between what was and what will be, where we've been and where we're going. We arrive into this open space with open hearts, clear minds, eager spirits, waiting for your wonder, waiting for your word to break through the silence, break through the noise so familiar, the static so ever-present that we hardly even notice it's there. We wait, Lord, for you to break through our expectations to make something happen, something divine, something we could never do alone, something that once we experience it, we wouldn't know our lives or ourselves without it. Loving God, some among us are seeking healing. And so we pray, Lord, for you to reach into our bodies and heal our cells and our systems so that we may feel whole. Some among us are seeking reconciliation from our loved ones or ourselves. We pray, Lord, for you to reach into the space which hangs between individuals and families so that we may feel your fellowship and your love between us. All of us, Lord, are seeking guidance. All of us are seeking that essential spark of your love, of your grace, which animates us, which speaks life into places we thought were dead which speaks truth into places that have been overcome by lies, which speaks strength into places that we find weak. Lord, we arrive to you this moment knowing that in each of our moments, even when we don't know, even when we don't notice, you arrive to meet us. Lord God, the kingdom that you promise is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. But we pray that you may speak, may see, may hope into our visions 
our limited worlds and help us to arrive there at that place that only you know and that only you see. We pray this for our church family, for our own families, for our future, but mostly, Lord, for our present, for our now. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who told us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that we may live into it. Amen. And in keeping with that spirit of prayer, our call to offering this morning comes from the prayer of Oscar Romero, one of my favorites, one which inspires a lot of my own prayers. And it ends with the line, we are prophets of a future, not our own. What is our future? Whose future is it? And what do we want it to look like? The way that we ask those questions and the way that we answer them determines how we give, and what we give, to whom we give, and in what spirit we give. And in that spirit of generosity, of giving to a future which is not ours, but which is God's, and which belongs to many of those precious faces we saw just moments ago, I invite you into this morning's offering.
please join in our unison prayer of dedication. Our loving God, this moment and every moment of giving is a sacred opportunity for us to both thank you for our lives and to share your love through our gifts so that your love and our love will flourish in our world through our gifts and through the works of your church. May you bless all who are about to receive your love through our hearts and through these gifts. Amen. I just want to say thank you, Darwin Shen, for being here. And um, I love that, that piece that you played after the prayer. And thank you, choir, for being here, because that just, um, I, could, I could listen to that piece all day, really. And just, you know, just get like deeper and deeper and more settled and just absolutely beautiful. Um, so this morning, we're going to be focusing on our scripture passages, you'll see them there in your bulletin, a little bit later on in, in the message, and they're kind of integrated. And so, um, but to, to begin, I want to actually begin really with, with last week, just back up for a moment to that. But last week, um, we talked about two extraordinarily simple points that when I shared them, I said, they help me keep grounded. Um, these two things help me regain my focus when I get knocked off track, which I do probably like you do multiple times a day, and they help to recreate a sense of calm when I repeat these things to myself and get back to them, especially when life starts spinning too fast, which it often does, when I get knocked off course. And those two incredibly simple points that bring me back are one, for as complex as life can get sometimes, I remind myself, and I actually say to myself, I'm here to be loving. That's simple. That's who I am at my core, and I like to remember that, because sometimes that does get lost in the shuffle. That's who and what I want to be. And that's true regardless of any situation. It's true with the easy times, and it's especially true really in the in the challenging times, to remind myself, you know, I'm here to be loving. Good, bad, tough, or easy. And then second, the second thing is, I remember that <clears throat> who I am as a person is I'm here to help, helping others. That's also who and what I'm, I'm here for. And it's really that simple and that powerful, these two things. And remembering these gives me the greatest sense I know of purpose and pleasure and clarity. So, this week, um, even though I didn't intend it, what happens with, um, with the sermon, with the message, is it's, it's very organic, and it just kind of evolves into um, this thing, and I just kind of notice it happening. And as it was evolving, I realized that this week is kind of a continuation. It's kind of a next step to, to last week of sharing those things that helped me, which... Of course, and I was talking with somebody just before the service, and I said, you know what? I share this because I think the things that help me, hopefully, are going to help you also. And so this week, we turn to things that help me 
in thinking about omnipotence. So, I shared the title of that with somebody this week, and that person said, Paul, are you really going to talk about that in church? Omnipotence? And I said, I think you are thinking of a different word. That's, right? True, true. I said, it's omnipotence. Omnipotence. I said, oh, okay, all right. And, and then she said, um, she said, I, I, do you think that people, you know, know that word? And I said, yeah, I certainly hope so. So, um, so uh, not to uh, insult anyone's intelligence, but just to clarify, just to clarify, because it could be a really confusing message from this point on. Um, omnipotence comes from the omni, which means all, or pervasive, and potence, which is power, right? And so omnipotence is defined as an agency or force of unlimited power. Wow. Unlimited power. And I thought about this last week because last week, which is not, you know, untypical for uh, a week with me, but last week I was dealing with a number of crises. And I thought... <clears throat> You know, when I'm talking about being loving and being helpful as my guiding forces, there are two things about that that is really good to know. One is that I realize I have an endless capacity to love. And that's not incredible because you have an endless capacity to love. It's non-material, so you can't run out. It's a bottomless well. So don't be afraid to just love as much as you possibly can. It's spiritual. Now, you may think that it's finite because that has to do with the second part. And that is, two, while we have an endless capacity to love, I do not have an endless capacity to help. Because that is finite. And that's where we can get caught, <clears throat> where <clears throat> we are finite and we can run out of things. My time is finite. My abilities are finite. My resources are finite. My intelligence is finite. And when I run out of time or ability or resources, and I just don't know what to do, I try to remember not to shut down my love because that's not the problem. But sometimes when we feel it's too much, instead of recognizing that we just hit a wall with our help, sometimes we confuse that with our love and instead we shut down our love to protect ourselves. We close our heart. And that might be the oncologist who sometimes people say, you know, cold bedside manner. And I think, what a rough, rough position to be in, of delivering news time after time after time. It gets to be too much sometimes, you know? They don't have the abilities to heal everyone 
and it becomes daunting. And so the bedside manner becomes shut down the heart so you can function. Now that happens to each one of us in different ways, of feeling overwhelmed sometimes, because it's hard to stay open emotionally and at the same time with finite abilities to help, to, to have an open heart and then sometimes even to say to ourselves, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. So sometimes we actually do need to shut down for a time our help, to recharge our finite stores and resources. Now in hearing that, <laughs> I will bet you that there's a more than a few of you who are hitting your mental brakes and going, are you kidding? Is this guy a real minister saying that? Saying that sometimes you have to hit the brakes on help? Strange thing for a minister to say. And here's what I mean. Today we're going to look at some scripture passages that we have. And these just really just graze the tip of the iceberg of so many different times when, when Jesus hit the wall. And he had to deal with finite abilities himself. We don't think of him that way. That's what happened. And we're going to look at this issue of omnipotence. First of all, Paul, can you use omnipotence in a sentence? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. Omnipotence is what I could have used more of last week, but didn't have. Omnipotence. We've all had these weeks, you know. In spite of multiple 13-hour days, you know, I still need another two to get everything done. You know what that's like. We've all had times like that. Because we're human. We work with finite limitations of resources, time, energy. Omnipotence is something I wish I had. But I don't. And neither do you. Then, as we know, there are some associated words that go along with omnipotence, and that is omniscience, which means all-knowing. That would be nice. That would be great. Why didn't you know that I was thinking that? That could help in some relationships. Omnicompetent. That's, that's an actual word. I was looking up all the omni words. Omnicompetent. The ability to handle any situation. How nice. That word is humanly impossible. <laughs> so I'm I was fascinated when I'm looking at that word. It's like, that's really interesting because that word is a fallacy. Um, talk about building unrealistic expectations. My God. It doesn't exist, and yet it's a real word. Can I use that one in a sentence? Yes, I can. Jane was very competent. But because she thought she should be omnicompetent, she was often stressed out and didn't value many of the things that she actually did accomplish. And that severely marred her life satisfaction. Omnicompetent. There's another one, omnipresent. Being able to be in all places, multiple places at one time. Wouldn't that be handy? Wouldn't that be a great power? 
you know? Being fully present with, with, your, with a, you know, your child's game or being fully present with your family, somebody you love, and still being able to get all of your work done at the same time. Many people try to practice this power as if they have it. It's godlike, and that has led to many a relationship and even family breakdown and disappointment. So for as much as we rationally know that we, we don't have the capacity for any of these things, omnipotence, omnicompetence, omniscience, omnipresence, for as much as we know that up here, on a personal and experiential level, on an emotional stress level, we are often wrestling with feeling like we should have these powers. Why don't we have these powers? Why can't I get everything done? Why can't I bend time and create more of it? And that's reflected in our feelings of frustration, helplessness, irritation, aggravation, disappointment, feelings of failure. Feelings of, you know, why can't I bend people's minds? Why can't I convince them of what they need to know? We fall short. Jesus dealt with these things. That's the cool thing. That is what I absolutely love, is that he dealt with these things. So I'm trained and equipped to deal with a lot of life issues. But I was thinking about this, and when I began my ministry, <clears throat> I actually didn't realize, I don't know why, but I, I didn't realize that professionals who were trained to do all sorts of stuff had to then deal with emotional blowback that they would experience because they had limited powers when they come face to face with things that they were not omnipotently equipped to deal with and they faced failure and they came up short. I didn't realize that professionals dealt with this stuff. So, 35 plus years ago when I was beginning my ministry, in our church there was a guy who was a firefighter and he was a really cheery guy. And um, there was a fire in town in which he was involved in a rescuer and he went out and, um, and a child died because he wasn't able to rescue that child. His powers was limited. And I remember I was actually surprised when I was talking to him about this. Professional firefighter. To learn that this guy was devastated. He, he was wrecked inside. As a fully trained and competent professional. Deeply traumatized. I never thought of that before. I, you know, I looked at these, you know, I looked at men and women and in uniforms, you know, in their roles, and I thought, well, they're trained, right? They should, you know, they, I guess they just handle this stuff. Firefighters, police, EMTs. How about doctors? I talk to doctors who get traumatized by what they have to deal with sometimes. They're acting really cool. But they're not any more omni than you or I are. How about 
How about, how about wait staff on a busy Saturday night? <laughs> I ordered this meal 10 minutes ago, right? Do they get harmed as human beings when, when they get treated that they should be more omni than they actually are, more than they can handle? Flight attendants? Funeral home directors. I spend time with funeral directors who get traumatized sometimes with what they have to deal with, especially young people. And how about our kids' teachers? How about that one? Think about what we demand, and I do mean demand sometimes, from them. People who work at a bank, you know, I think about this. Uh, you know, and there are the hourly employees, right, who are on the other end of the telephone. They're not making the policies. They're not hiring too few people, so you have to wait on the line for 45 minutes. And then you get to them who didn't create this system, and you're like, I've been on this phone for 45 minutes. They're like, oh my God. Not feeling very omni. How about moms? How about moms at the end of the day? After dealing with a zillion things, might not be feeling very omni, but might be feeling like they should be a little bit more able to handle everything. And dads, great little reminder, I think, that in spite of professional and personal roles that we have, we create certain sets of expectations for other people, and we also do for ourselves. What should we be able to do? What should we be able to handle? Behind every role, there is a person who is not omnipotent. We're all just doing the best we can, folks. So I'm walking down the streets of Southport the other day, and I'm heading one way. Another church member is heading the other way. <clears throat> we didn't literally bump into each other, but we bumped into each other. We started talking. We started talking about, um, you know, we're both working on trying to help another person who's navigating some really difficult life issues and choices. And uh, as we know, it can be a really stressful thing to be trying to help somebody um, make right choices to kind of help change their minds, especially when you have limited powers, right? Limited powers have been able to reach in and change people's minds. And it's stressful because when you're genuinely a loving person, you're trying to help somebody, you want everything to go right. You want to do everything you can do. You want that, that person you're caring for to everything turn out the best way it possibly can with least amount of pain, trauma, struggle, suffering, and stuff. And then we run into a lot of things that we don't have control over, limited power. And sometimes one of those many things is the person who we're trying to help isn't really receptive to maybe making the best decisions, or at least not the ones that we would like them to make. I run into that a lot. I will get a call from a family member. It's like, can you please talk to my mother? Can you please talk to my child? Can you please help them realize that they need to fill in the blank? 
A lot of times it has to do with, can you please help them realize that they need to get into a nursing care center or assisted living or something like that? Something that they don't want to do. <laughs> it's outside of their power. And the folks say to me a lot of times, you know what, they're going to get hurt. They don't want to do this, they're going to fall, and they're going to get hurt. And you know what, sometimes that's true. And that's what I have to say sometimes. That's not because I'm cold. One of the things that I think is so supportive of us being human and not omnipotent is learning that Jesus sometimes had to deal with so many things. We think of him as all-powerful. There was so much stuff that he couldn't control, including other people's decisions, other people's behavior, finite resources, persuasion being one of them. We might not have an endless bucket of money to be able to help the person who needs a certain amount of help. We can't control another person's luck or genetic background or bad behavior. We can't control who gets cancer and why some people make decisions over and over that seem to create even more problems. Jesus dealt with all of these things. Like when we're trying to help, but the outcome you want isn't happening, and you're feeling that stress, my God, why doesn't this happen? feel out of control, anxious, depressed, falling short. What do you do about that? How do you deal with when you try your best and you fail? How does that feel? That, by the way, is actually at the heart of a lot of our faith. So we have tremendous power. Jesus had tremendous power. But there were some things that he couldn't control, things that did not go his way. True for him, and so if it's true for him, what does that say about us? There are some things that he tried and couldn't do. What does that say about us? You might think of this as life and death situations. Sometimes it has to do with what college do you get into? Some under our control. Sometimes they're looking for so many male, female in this area, looking for people who played this sport, that sport. And people hang their whole lives sometimes on I didn't get in there. It's got nothing to do with you. Why doesn't the person I love love me back? Out of your control. Why didn't I get that job? Why did I get this illness? Why do some people live longer than I do? Why do my bone, my joints need to be replaced? 
Your joints don't need to be replaced. Why can't I motivate this person I love to clean up their act? So let's look at our scripture. How does Jesus deal with, I can't control a lot of outcomes? There are a few of the scenarios that that I think about. Passage number one, how does Jesus deal with, and here he's instructing his disciples to, to, what is he instructing them to do? What to deal with? Rejection. What are you going to do when you go into a town and you're trying your best and people say, get out of here, you bum. Are you kidding? What is that going to do for me? This doesn't do anything for me. How do you deal with that? Matthew 10.14, he said, we can all read this one together if you're looking at it. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. What great advice. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. He's he's the Messiah. He experienced this personally in so many situations. There's one that I did include here. It's from Mark 6.4. You can look it up. I actually shared this with somebody, I don't know, last week or two weeks ago, where Jesus said, referring to his own experience, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. (laughs) And he's referring to how he was treated when he went back to Nazareth. Get out of here, you bum. We know who you are. So I talked to a lot of people. Um, a lot of times this happens after big holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. People say, I'm 50 years old, and I go home, and my parents are treating me like I'm 15 years old. That happened to Laura and I. We'd go visit her parents, my parents. We had four kids, you know, responsible job. You people think I'm competent. And they would say things like, Paul, Laura, remember to turn the lights off. You know how to use the dishwasher? You know. Like, uh, Jesus says, you know what? Join the club. Join the club. You don't control your parents. Just keep going. Mark 10, 17 through 22. Let's read this one together. Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, You know the commandments. The man said to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And at that saying, the man's countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful. End of story. (laughs) What's missing? The man didn't change. He's face to face with the greatest persuader and most powerful, insightful person in history. And the man didn't change. He wasn't persuaded by Jesus. Jesus fell short. He failed. What did Jesus do? And what did Jesus not do? Which was really interesting. 
Jesus did not, as we read, he did not go running after the person, trying to explain himself again, saying, hey, wait a minute, whoa, 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 not so fast, you know what? Maybe it was all too much at once, the selling everything. Maybe we can do this in installments. Maybe we can do this in pieces, steps. Let's negotiate. Come back. Let's sit down. Wait, I can help you. And the man walked away. And Jesus let the man go. Because Jesus, even with all of his powers, tremendous influence, deep love to help and heal, couldn't or didn't, he didn't connect with every person. I think about that. Honestly, that kind of blows my mind. Face to face with the one, and he couldn't deliver. His aura, words, presence, power, something failed. Or maybe, maybe, maybe he let the person fail and then let him go. We can't reach everybody. We can't help everybody. We can't protect everybody. Sometimes we fail. We're not omnipotent. And that's not a personal failure when that happens. Happened to Jesus. If it can happen to him, what does that say about us and our expectations of ourselves and others? Are you more powerful than the Holy One, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? I need to remind myself of that again and again. And I help others and remind other people of that. Coming to terms with that, not here, but coming to terms with that here are two very, very different things. When I fail and fall short, I lack power. And there's Matthew 27, 12 through 14. What do you do when you've done all the right things? I hear from these people all the time. You are 100% in the right. You, all you deserve is, is fairness, you deserve goodness, and yet what do you get back? A betrayal. Somebody close to you turns their back, completely undeserved. You're being treated unfairly. You get cancer. Just walking around, minding my own business for God's sake, and then boom, that happens. Didn't get the job. I was fully qualified. Talk to people, it's like, I've had the last four job interviews and I'm down to the second person and it didn't come through. Literally, literally happens to the best of us because we're not all powerful. And apparently, even if we were like Jesus, that still didn't stop some things. Like aging. That's the last passage. Time marches on. You can read that last passage on your own about aging. It's really powerful. It's not really pretty. Not welcoming words. He would tell us the truth, whether it was pretty or not, whether we wanted to hear it or not. He's saying, you know, why should you be treated any differently than any other single human being who's ever walked the face of the, this earth for the last six million years? John 28 21.18, equipping us for every step along the way, telling us the truth, laying it out. And I love him, 
for that. We're not all powerful, so don't expect yourself or others. And when you come to terms with that emotionally, that's a freeing thing. That's a very freeing thing. When I realize that I've been given a gift and when I realize that God is God, I do my best, but I don't have God's power to be all controlling. That frees me to do all I can do and to be all I can be and then really leave the rest to God. And that is faith. And that is peace. And that is comfort. And that is strength. And that is what Jesus wishes for you. Amen. from this place with the gifts of God into our world. May God's love and strength and lifting us up be in our heads and in our understanding. May God be in our eyes and in our seeing very clearly in our perceiving. May God's love be in our ears and our careful hearing, our listening to what's being said and what's in between the lines. God's love be in our hearts with the courage to be open and loving in all situations. May God be in our hands 
and in our embrace and our helping and in our lifting up now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.